I hope everyone is enjoying the rally that we are, we're getting this week in the precious metal sector, particularly silver. Um, and I'm here to tell you why I think there's a lot more of that coming. Greetings, Land of Arcadia Economics. My name is Dave Kranzler, and welcome to my bi-weekly podcast. I do on behalf of Arcadia Economics. I also publish the Mining Stock Journal, a new issue of which will be released this afternoon. Lots of good ideas in there. I'm very, very bullish on silver stocks right now, especially the, the lower risk producers. I'm always bullish on the juniors that I that I select, the junior development companies. And speaking of which, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode, which I'm recording on Wednesday, August 23rd, by the way, this episode is brought to you by Silver Viper, which is advancing its Law Virginia project in Sonora, Mexico. You can find the stock under the ticker VIPRF on the OTC bulletin board and under VIPR.V on the TSX Venture Exchange. Currently, Silver Viper is working on an updated mineral resource estimate. Um, one of the things that I haven't mentioned previously, I don't believe, is that Insiders Management owns 18%. And that's, that's an attribute that I look for when I'm looking at junior development companies. And in full disclosure, I also own the stock. And you know, if we get the type of move in the precious metals sector, especially silver that I think is coming. I think I think this stock, first of all, it's idiotic that it's trading at six cents a share, but I think this stock has 10 bagger potential. Again, that's the qualification there is, is if we get the type of rally that I'm looking for. So um, with that, I hope everyone is enjoying the rally that we're, we're getting this week in the precious metals sector particularly silver. Um, and I'm here to tell you why I think there's a lot more of that coming. There's a number of factors that I look at when I'm trying to figure out what type of move the market's gonna make next. And um, the primary factors that I monitor include um, Indian demand for gold, import demand, um, the setup in the commitment of traders report, the Holbert Gold Newsletter Sentiment Index, and just, you know, the charts and the general trading action in gold. So um, interestingly, uh, I ran into an article last week, published on August 18th, that talked about how um, premiums on, on the price being paid for gold over in Asia and India um, have, have gone up quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, and this this was an this was a report from Reuters. Reuters actually, even though I, I I abhor mainstream media, Reuters does a decent job of reporting on the global gold market. And um, in China, gold was selling at premiums of between 33 and 43 bucks an ounce. And for me, more important because India is going into its largest uh, demand periods from a seasonal standpoint because it's it's its biggest the fourth quarter is its biggest um festival and and uh, wedding season and indians buy a ton of gold tons i should say of gold 
um, really from from uh, starting now until early January. So, um, and what I found is interesting is um, there's a lot, this used to be a better indicator, um, but there's been some developments over the last couple of years that kind of mask the premiums that get paid in India when demand is strong and when it exceeds the supply going into the country. But um, an important indicator of that is the premium that Indians are willing to pay over, over the spot price of gold. And it's actually um, the price that gets paid in India is the, the spot price, the pr you know, price at import. Um, and there's also a 15% import duty. And then recently a 3% sales tax was added in. So um, if you take the spot plus 18% of the spot, that's the price per ounce that Indians are paying for gold when they buy gold. And the, the Indians buy more gold than um, anyone in the world. I, I know China is probably the largest gold importer now, but I think a lot of that gold, as everyone probably knows, goes to the PBOC, the People's Bank of China. So, um, and now the premiums have shifted to three bucks above the, the you know, what's being paid, you know, the spot price plus the 18%. And that's that's known as the ex duty, the ex import duty premium. So, and when that goes positive, and it used to go more positive, but again, there's been some factors that that um, have uh, kind of increased the flow of gold into China, and so um, the the premiums don't go as high as they used to. But so the three bucks an ounce is a big premium, and I would argue that it, it, you know it means there's a lot more demand right now than there is supply and demand's just going to increase as we get later into the fourth quarter. We're not even in the fourth quarter yet. Um, I would argue that that is part of what is pushing up the price of gold this week is, is Indian demand. It, it makes it harder for the, for the, for the paper management squad to cap the price of gold using derivatives when they, when they have to deliver a lot of physical gold into India. The second factor that I look at, and a lot of you are already familiar with this, is the commitment of traders report, the structure of it. And um, currently, as many of you probably already know, um, in general, what happens is the banks, as part of their price capping effort for gold and silver, is, is they um, run a very large net short position in paper silver and paper gold. Now, occasionally, what happens, you know, when when the price, you know, if they can beat the price down and cover the the shorts profitably, uh, on occasion they'll go net long paper silver. Sometimes they'll go net long Comex gold. Also, when I say net long, I mean the gross long positions they run as market makers exceeds the gross short positions. So, um, over the last couple of weeks, and the commitment of traders report is published weekly on Friday. Um, it's the cutoff date for it is the prior Tuesday. So by the time the report is published, the date is already three, three days old. I don't know why they can't publish it real time. Japan used to publish their version of it on a real time basis daily. Um, I think it's just part of, I think the reason they do it this way is to, is to help keep, um, 
a high degree of opacity on what's going on in the gold market and what's going on in the COMEX. Um, but at any rate, nevertheless, um, based on the last COT report, the banks actually became long, net long, five. 5,978 contracts, and that's this right here. And the hedge funds typically run very net long, very net long positions in gold and silver, and they've actually swung to the short side. You can see that here. They're they're actually short. Um, I have a number somewhere. Oh, there we go. 6,670 contracts. Now, the way the market's been trading. I think it's a good bet, and we'll know Friday afternoon when the next COT report is released. I think it's a good bet that um, the net long position of the banks, the swap dealers, um, has increased from here, and the net short position of the managed money, which is really the hedge funds and CTAs. Short position in silver is probably increased for these guys. Now, historically, and it doesn't happen all the time, but historically, when the commitment of traders report is set up like this, where the, the banks are net long silver, hedge funds are, are net short silver, occasionally you'll see where the banks go net long gold and uh, the hedge funds go net short gold. I think, I think that happened maybe 2020, late 2019. I forget off the top of my head, but it, it has happened um, within the last three or four years. Um, but at any rate, when, when it's set up like this, it usually precedes a big move higher in the precious metal sector and, of course, the mining stocks. Not always, but most of the time. And it's so it's a pretty reliable indicator. And it's it's, you know, another one, you know, I guess in terms of order of importance, I'd say it's second most important factor, at least in terms of figuring out what's going to happen over an, an intermediate term length of time, you know, six to 12 months or whatever. And so that's another bullish factor. The third bullish factor, and don't have a, a graphic for this, is the Holbert Gold Newsletter Sentiment Index. And what this is, is it's an, an index that Mark Holbert puts out every day. The subscription is kind of expensive. Um, and it shows the um, average gold position recommendation from market timing sources. So that'd be like newsletters and um, probably there's, I'm sure there's market timing uh, services out there that send you emails or texts or whatever. He, he doesn't disclose what the composition of it is, it's proprietary. Um, when it, when it's positive, when it, when, when there's a, it, it, it's effective as a contrarian indicator in extremes. So when market timers are extremely net long gold, you know, or recommending a long position in gold, uh, uh, usually that precedes a sell-off in the sector. And similarly, when it goes negative, which it does, um, that means that market timers are net short gold. And usually when it's, when it's six, over 60% um, recommending long on average, that's, that's, that's usually an extreme. It, it occasionally it goes higher than that. Um, and then when, usually when it goes negative, that's, that's another extreme. It, I've seen it, I think, 
sometime between 2011 and I don't know, 2013, 2014, I think it was around negative, the negative high thirties percent, maybe even a little higher. Well, it's, it's gone negative again. Um, it's not extremely negative. So, you know, the signal could be a little stronger if it went more negative. Um, but it has been negative for the last couple of weeks. And, and that, that actually, the length of time that it's negative also adds strength to the, to the um, indicator. Uh, and it, it actually switched to neutral yesterday. It went from negative to zero. And that's usually, that usually happens when the market's getting ready to, to when, the, when the contrarian signal is, is getting ready to do its thing and the market's ready to go higher. Um, and again, that that may be because the sentiment had gotten so bearish, that may be part of what um, is driving the market higher. The gold and silver prices higher this week. Um, and then the last indicator I have is just kind of the general trading action in gold and silver. And when I when I say trading action, I watch gold and silver futures all day long, every day. And I've been doing it since, well, I, I was actively trading silver futures until early 2008. And I, I traded them from 2002 to 2008. And I gave up on it then because it was just too hard to trade the market because it's so manipulated. As, a, as an individual day trader or swing trader, you know, trading from my home office. Um, but I, I still watch it intently. And right now, I believe the trading action is, is quite positive. Um, and I put up the chart of, of the gold price. And the silver price looks identical. I know most of the people in the audience are, are silver junkies. I am too. Um, but I, I, I own both and I like both. And they obviously are highly correlated. So um, this analysis similarly applies to what's going on in, in silver trading. Um, and again, when I say silver trading, I'm referring to the derivatives, the paper, the paper markets. But you see the gold and silver have been in a really nice bull trading trend since uh, the beginning of November 2022. And, you know, you've had ups and downs in general higher highs um this you know this could be called a, a a lower high which would not be positive but um in my opinion i think because of the factors i mentioned earlier i think the market's getting ready to take off again and um you know again an important part of that is the big seasonal buying that it's that's going to come from india um but at any rate within the last i'm showing a two-year chart because within the last two years Gold has tried to break above 2060 twice, and it's been turned lower, um, I would argue, by the price, price management team, um, which is the banks that trade derivatives in New York on the COMEX and on the LBMA in London. Um, but since March, there's been many aggressive attempts to try and get the price below 1900, and most of the attempts have been intraday, so they don't necessarily show up on the daily chart um, and and gold is held 1900 similarly silver's held the 2250 area silver's been turned back twice between you know kind of in the 2650 to 27 dollar range um, 
You can see gold here is, is pulled back down to its 200-day moving average, and it's holding it, which is which is quite bullish technically. Um, you know, historically, when gold's in a bull cycle, which I would argue that it is right now, I think that cycle started last fall, fall of 2022, with this triple bottom. Um, it, when it's been in a, a bull cycle and it has a 200-day moving average correction, which this is essentially, you know, close enough for um, horseshoes and hand grenades, um, that usually precedes a big bull move in the prices of gold and silver. And I think we are on the cusp of getting that. So um, with, with those four factors in mind, I think that I think that we're going to have a, a very happy fourth quarter for gold bugs, silver bugs, gold investors, mining stock investors. As I mentioned earlier, um, I am particularly bullish on silver stocks, especially the silver producers. Uh, I cover, I mentioned a couple in this week's uh, mining stock journal, but um, what, what we've seen, and, and I, I mean, I get an earful from my subscribers all the time when this happens, um, stocks that have been reporting something disappointing about their latest quarterly earnings have been taken out back and shot. Uh, Fortuna, as everyone knows, was down, I think, 12% after it reported its earnings. And it was, it was you know, a couple of uh, non-recurring factors and um, that affected its production, its profitability in in the second quarter and um i mean we heard it from the ceo's mouth on the podcast that chris and i did with jorge ganoza they will make up that production in the second half of of 2023 because they were non-recurring factors and the stock has got slammed below three bucks um i put on my biggest call position i've ever put on on a stock um, I bought the October three strike calls and I, you know, I'll probably move those out in a couple of weeks to a further expert. I think December might be the next one. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, same thing happened with Hecla, Hecla mining. It was Monday, actually. They reported a fire in one of its mining shafts. And it was, I think it was an electrical substation fire or something that they, they said they wasn't even being used. And then the stock just got annihilated. I think it might have traded below four intraday. And we've seen it happen also with New Gold. They announced, and it was a one-day issue, they announced that they saw some what they call geotechnical inconsistencies in their tailings pond at their new Afton mine. And so they they stopped they they stopped mining. It's for, for the tailings. They stopped mining um, until they could figure out what was going on and if there was an issue. And they they reported it to the regulators. All all good. And it turned out. Um, and it, the stopping actually pulling ore out of the ground didn't shut down the mine because they have all these miners have stockpiles that they can feed into their mill if for some reason they have to stop pulling ore out of the ground for you know for temporary reasons. Um, and, and they stopped mining for a day, but the stock got just crushed. And, you know, these are opportunities in the market that you have to take advantage of because they're, they're nonsensical. 
It's complete overreaction by the market. I think a lot of it comes from hedge funds, seeing the headlines and then going and shorting the crap out of the stock. And we're going to get very big bounce backs in all three of those stocks. Hecla started already. I think it was up. Hecla was bounced back. It was up over 8%. And and Fortuna now is back over three bucks. It got down, I think it was trading like at 285 a couple of days ago. So um I'm because of the mark, because I'm very bullish on precious metals and where they're going. Um, I'm I am particularly bullish on silver stocks. And um, you know, in my portfolio, I own I own both. Um, but right now I'm I'm moving it so that I'm overweighted in silver stocks, and that's with long positions and with call options. So with that, let's wrap this up for another two weeks. I hope everyone is is still uh, enjoying what they can, while they can, as much as they can. And, you know, I told a subscriber the other day who was asking me just it was yesterday actually who was grilling me on one of one of my junior stocks it's actually as a stock position it's my largest personal holding um and i just said look man especially this time of year last couple weeks of the summer before labor day anyway um you can't you can't stare at these stocks stop watching every trade in these stocks you know turn your screens on and go outside and enjoy the rest of the summer and i hope everyone takes that advice And I will see you next time.